The last couple of weeks we have been talking about prayer and we will be going back to the book of Matthew. Uh, uh, Those of you who have been around for a while know that we've been working our way. The big series has been through the book of Matthew the last couple of years and we will be getting back to that next week. But before we do that, we will be uh, talking this week on giving. And giving is not a thing that we talk about often. It's something that comes up occasionally in the text as we're going through the text and we preach on it when when we come across it in the text. And then we have a rhythm that we have a small series typically on stewardship um, every other year and that giving is a part of that. And the elders were talking recently, and I'm going to throw Steve under the bus, um, but, but Steve said, we don't talk about giving often enough. We, don't, we need to talk about it more often because people have a lot of questions about giving. And so uh, we went, oh, okay, well, we'll do that. So uh, we're, we are going to be talking about that because I think that people do have a lot of questions. It's one of the things that I get questioned about the most just as far as uh, the practical life of the church. Should I give? Do I have to give? How much should I give? What does that look like? Those kinds of questions come up regularly. And so uh, what I'd like to do is take us to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 today. And this is what, I, what we will see. I'm going to just give you the, uh, up front what we're going to see. That when God's people live generously in a response to His generosity to them, then praises and thanksgivings multiply. I'll say that again. When God's people live generously as a response to God's generosity to them, Praises and thanksgivings multiply. Here's, here's the principle. We'll ju- jump straight to it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says this. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. These are the, the pieces of this that we see. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart. So when somebody comes and they ask me, Travis, how much should I give? I say, ah, that's for you to work out with God. You, you and God have to, to do that. But whatever you purpose in your heart to give, that's what you should give. Whatever you purpose in your heart to give, that's what you should give. I, I, sometimes it will happen that I'm talking with somebody and, and they have intended to give, but they didn't actually give. And what happens when we do that is we consider ourselves to be more generous than we are, right? Because I was well-intentioned, I just am poor on follow-through, right? I, I, I intended to give, but then I didn't follow through with it. But it's the, the, the heart that counts, right? The intention that counts. But he says, each one should give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, right? So this is, again, why when somebody comes to me and they say, well, how much should I give? I'm not going to say, well, this is how much you should give. Because then what would happen is you would feel compelled. Well, the pastor told me this is how much I should give, and so I have to give this. We don't want anybody to give out of compulsion that they feel like, oh, I have to give, I must give. We don't want anybody reluctantly giving, that they are dragging their feet on giving. Oh, well, I have to do the giving thing again. We don't want that. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when people delight to give. God loves it when people delight to give. That, I think, is generosity in definition delighting to give. 
when you're reluctant to give, when you're giving out of compulsion, then, then it's not true generosity, right? It may look like generosity. It may end up with a large sum of a gift of some kind. But, but I think it's when the heart delights to give, that is generosity. I have some examples of generosity in my life. I, I have some dear friends of mine. I've known them for a very long time. And, uh, and um, the wife in, in this couple is a gifts person. Have you known gifts people? Maybe some of you are gifts people, where they're just always watching for something. Ooh, this would be a really great gift. Oh, oh, this would be a, I would love to give this. And sometimes they see something and they have you in mind and they get that thing. And other times they go, this would be a great gift. I don't know who it's for yet, but I'm just going to get this gift. Now, she is such a gifts person. She so delights to give that she has a gifts room in her house. A gifts room. So some of you have a spare bedroom for people who come over. They might stay in that bedroom. Some of you have a, a, a room for all of your books, a library or a study or an exercise room, a, a room that is dedicated to something. This woman has a room dedicated to gifts. Because she gets gifts and she puts them in that room and that's where they stay until she finds places for them to go. And she needs a whole room dedicated to that. She delights to give gifts. I, I have experienced the generosity of somebody else uh, just last month for Christmas. Uh, it is somebody that I have known for a while, but we don't have a lot of relationship. We're not super close, but I, I, I know them. And uh, they, for Christmas, lavishly gifted our family Christmas presents. And we were not the only family that they did that with. They did that for many people. And I was watching and hearing from other people going, I hardly know them. And they brought, got me these gifts. And I said, yeah, they, they went above and beyond for us too. And when I was talking with the guy that, that uh, he said, we love to do this. I spend all year buying Christmas presents. I love to do this. I spend all year thinking about who, what I'm going to get and who I'm going to give it for, and it just gets bigger and bigger. I love to do that. Now, uh, for me personally, sometimes I'm generous and sometimes I'm stingy. I'm just going to acknowledge that and admit it now. Here's, here's the way in which I'm generous. I love to see something and identify this would be perfect for so-and-so. And to buy that thing and give it to them for no occasion and no reason. I love to do that. Do you know what I hate to do? I hate it when it, I have to do it. Christmas time, Christmas time, I love Christmas time. I love rejoicing in the incarnation of Jesus. I dislike the pressure of Christmas time. Who all do I have to buy gifts for? My wife and I will sit down, we'll talk, make, make a list. Okay, who do we have to get gifts for? What can we get that would be meaningful and thoughtful for all of the people on our list? It's not that I don't love them. I do love them. That's why they're on the list. But I don't like the pressure of trying to think of something meaningful and thoughtful to give them every year. I don't want that pressure. I want to be able to just give gifts sometimes and not give gifts other times and have that be okay. That would be my best case scenario, right? Well, that's what this is, though. It's the delighting to give. 
So here's the context. Let me back up and, and bring us to the context before we get to the principle again in, in verse 7. Let's set the stage a little bit. What's going on here? Well, Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, and the church in Corinth is a, a church that Paul has, has a lot of relationship with. He's talked with them a lot. He's helped get that church started, and so he's, he's uh, communicating with them. He's not currently in Corinth. He's writing to them, and one of the things that he's writing about is the needs of the people in Jerusalem. There are some people in Jerusalem who have needs. Paul has already been talking with the people in Corinth about those needs, and the people in Corinth said, we would like to help out. We would like to help out. We've heard about the needs over there in Jerusalem, and we would like to help out. And so Paul said, okay, next time I come through, I'll collect an offering, and we'll, I'll bring it for you to the, those who are in need in Jerusalem. Great, that's the plan. But now Paul is somewhere else, and he's writing to the Corinthians, and he's reminding them of this discussion that they had. So now let me read this to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said that you would be. Otherwise... If some Macedonians come with me and find that you're not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go, ahead, go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised so that it may be ready and as a willing gift, not as an, exact, as an exaction. Okay, so here's what's going on. Paul had talked with them, said there are these believers who are in need in Jerusalem, and they said, we really want to help out with that. He said, that's great. I've got some other things to do. I'm going to come back through here. Then we're going, uh, I'll collect it, and we'll, we'll bring it. They said, wonderful. Now he's talking with the people of Macedonia, and he's saying, oh, and also I'm going to be going to Jerusalem and helping out the saints there, and the, the, the people there in Corinth, they're going to help out. And the people in Macedonia said, well, us too. Us too. We want to give too. There's a need over there. We want to give too. And he said, oh, oh but the, the people in Corinth, they, they, they're well-to-do. They're, they're pretty well taken care of. And they're going to help out. And the Macedonian said, but you're not going to leave us out. We want to help too. I understand, but you don't have so much money. And so we're going to, no, no, no. We're going to help out too. And they generously give. So that Paul is almost overwhelmed by the gift of the Macedonians and he's writing to the Corinthians and he's letting them know, hey, just so you know, your excitement to give to this, your promise that you are going to give to this, just based on that promise, the Macedonians went, hey, us too, and they have given generously. And so I just want to let you know, I boasted about you to them and this has been their response and I, I just, for your sake and mine, want you to be prepared to give. Now, I don't really have to tell you that, right? That's what he said. It, it's superfluous for me to tell you this. I don't, I don't have to do this. I don't have to write to you in advance. You already told me that you want to give. You already told me that you want to give. You already told me you are prepared to give. So I, it's really unnecessary for me to write to you, but I'm writing to you anyway just to let you know there is just a little bit of pressure here. There's just a little bit of pressure about your reputation and mine. 
Okay, so you intended to give, you promised that you would give, and so then you're going to need to actually follow through on your promise, just like you intended to. I'm not putting pressure on you to ask you to do something you don't want to do. I'm just reminding you of what you promised that you would do. Because even your promise of generosity has responded in the generosity of others. So I thought it necessary to urge you, brothers, to go on ahead, to, to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift as, and not as an exaction. That way, when we come, the gift will already have been collected. I don't have to come and make it look like I'm begging you or make it look like I'm compelling you to give. You'll already have it ready to go. It'll already be there. Then he gets to verse 6. He says, now the point is actually this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He says, those who, who sow uh, generously reap generously. Those who sow sparingly reap sparingly. And everybody should do what they decided in their heart that they were going to do. For God loves a cheerful giver and, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that, you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And now, he takes it off of them. He takes the pressure off of them and he puts it on God. And he says, here's the deal. When I'm talking about your generosity... Your generosity in your giving, I'm not actually talking about your generosity in your giving. What I'm talking about is the generosity of God who has supplied everything that you need. That's what I'm actually talking about here. You see, when our giving it multiplies, when, when our generosity multiplies and we, we do uh, gifts and things, what we are saying is, I have more than I need. My, my needs are already met, and now I want to be generous with others. And he says, I am counting on the generosity of God, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Could, could, we, could we have more all-encompassing language than this? God is able to make all all grace abound to you. Do you mean some of the grace, Paul? No, no, all grace. Most of the grace? All grace. All grace abound to you. Okay, so we'll have all of the grace. Will that cover everything? Yes. For all sufficiency. All grace for all sufficiency. But right now, yeah, right now. And tomorrow, and tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day. And next year, and next month. Yep. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may lack nothing. 
Because God's grace is going to abound to you in all things at all times. It's enough. It's enough. So that you may abound in every good work. Here's the thing that I recognize as the principle here. God will supply for your needs. God will supply for your needs. Now, God will supply for your needs even if you are generous with somebody else. God will supply for your needs even if you are generous with somebody else. Sometimes I get in my own head and I go, okay, I can be generous up to this much, but then I have to reserve that much to make sure my needs are taken care of. And Paul says, no, God's grace is sufficient. He'll cover the whole thing. God is, has enough generosity to have, you, have your needs taken care of and for you to have enough to be generous. In fact, this is not new. This, is, this goes all the way back to uh, Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, uh, God was speaking to Abraham, and this is what he said. He said in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is not at all new. This was God's intention from the beginning, that his people would be so blessed that they would be a blessing to other people. I'm going to bless you, and you will then bless all the people of the earth. All the people of the earth. And I find that all too often, I find myself going, do I have enough? Do I have enough? When will it be enough? When I cover today's needs, then can I be generous? Tomorrow's needs. How far out into the future do I have to have my needs covered and then a little extra just in case something goes wrong so that I can then be generous? And God says, what are you doing? What are you doing? Travis, do you think that I can't take care of your needs? Well, no, God, you already have taken care of my needs and then some. But what about tomorrow? Am I going to change? Am I going to stop taking care of your needs tomorrow? Well, no, but... I'm still relatively young and healthy, and so I know I can take care of the needs for tomorrow too, but God, what about in like 20 years when I can't take care of my needs? Then shouldn't I have some stuff stockpiled up just in case? Travis, am I going to be different in 20 years? How much is enough before I can start being generous? when I recognize that God has no lack. He has no lack. And He has never once been stingy with me. Never once. And so then what is my hesitation? 
It is merely the sin in my own heart that fails to trust God. That's all. That's all that's standing between me and being a generous person. But here's here's what ends up happening. What ends up happening is that when God blesses his people, then he makes them to be a blessing to others. In fact, it says, verse 9, as it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. Now, this is a quote from Psalm 112, which is talking about the righteous person who delights in the Lord and who trusts in the Lord, and the kinds of things that that righteous person who delights in the Lord and trusts in the Lord does, and these are some of those things. He just pulls that quote in verse 9. He is, distributes freely, he has given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. That's the kind of thing that the righteous person who trusts in the Lord does. And you can go back, I would encourage you, as you have time later, make a note, Psalm 112, go back, read the whole thing later, and see the other ways in which this righteous person who trusts in the Lord, trusts in the Lord. Practically, what do they do? But this is one of the things, they are a generous person. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Then he gives this example, verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Do you remember that just a couple of verses ago he said that he who uh, sows generously will reap generously and he who uh, sows sparingly will reap sparingly? And why would a person want to uh, sow sparingly? They can hang on to that seed, right? Because I only have a limited number of seeds, and so I'm going to sow sparingly so that I'm holding back some of that seed. But where does the seed come from? It comes from God. So why are we being stingy with our seeds? We just throw them out there. So every other year or so I have a garden, I'd like to say every year I have a garden. I don't have a a garden every year because I'm lazy. But when I have a garden, I take those seeds and I put them in the ground, and there's a difference in my mind between when I go to the store and I buy seeds and how I use those seeds and when somebody else gives me seeds. Some of you are my friends, and some of you have given me seeds over the years, and I just may as well. What else am I going to do with all these seeds? I'll just put them everywhere. Somebody, these are somebody else's seeds. We'll see what happens. And so do you know what happens? I end up getting pumpkins all over my yard. There's the like, vegetable garden that I bought the seeds and I planted them in nice rows. And then I just put the pumpkin seeds everywhere. And they're growing up in the borders and they're growing under the blueberry bushes and they're growing all over the places because I just have these, these seeds that, that I didn't know what else to do with. What am I going to do? Throw them away? Do you know God is giving you seed? What else are you going to do with it? Throw it away? You're just going to hang on to it? You're just going to eat them? Pumpkins are way better than pumpkin seeds. I'm just going to go on the, out on a limb and say that. I know some of you like pumpkin seeds, but pumpkins are way better. Let's plant those things. Let's get them into the ground. Let's get them out there. 
He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You know, this is the, the concept that, that uh, God just goes over, over and over again. That he's the one who gives it. That he's the one who supplies it. In fact, in, in Matthew chapter 6, we have this uh, prayer from, from Jesus. That he says, this is how I expect that you will pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. The expectation in our prayers is that we will go to God and we will say, God, would you supply for my needs? Right? Would you supply for my needs? Each and every day. And he will. Our expectation is that he absolutely will. But he doesn't stop there. He gives us more than what we need. So that then we can be generous to others and we can uh, multiply the praise and thanksgivings to God. So we can multiply the, the praises and thanksgivings to God. Back in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you look at verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Here's what I find, that when I am stingy rather than generous, what I rejoice in is what I have. What I'm thankful for is for what I have. So if God gives good gifts to me, I am thankful and I praise God for the good gifts that he has given to me. But if it stops there, that's it. If, however, God gives his good gifts to me, I can thank him and I can praise him and go, wait, God, you gave me more than enough. God says, okay, pass it along. Okay, I'm passing it along. And what happens? Now, those praises and thanksgivings are multiplied. Because as I am generous in response to God's generosity to me, then other people receive those blessings and gifts. And other people are thankful. And other people are rejoicing and praising God. And we see that just multiply. Right? So when I'm talking about the person who blesses my family, generously, above and beyond, what I would say is beyond the level of our friendship, they have blessed us generously. Like, you know, those friends that you have, that we have this level of relationship and we have this expectation of how much we would give one another. Are we like... Are we like $5 gift friends? Are we like card friends? Are we like $20 gift friends, right? And the level that you, I would think of as of us being in that relationship, he went far beyond the level of relationship in his generosity toward us. And do you know what it caused me to do? It caused me to rejoice in the generosity of God. It caused me to rejoice in the generosity of God because I went, God, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I'm not this kind of a friend to them. I, I have not reciprocated in a commensurate way. It is completely undeserved. And for me, at Christmas time, it was a picture of God's generosity and grace toward me because that's how God is all the time. 
He loves you. He blesses you. He takes care of you. And when your generosity overflows to other people, then they see the same things and there's an opportunity for them to rejoice in the same way. And we see those praises and thanksgivings multiply. We, we, can, we can be generous in, in several different ways. We can be generous in hospitality. That is, we just open up our homes and welcome people in and share what we have that we're living on and in, and we share that with others. We welcome them in. We have a generous hospitality. We can be generous to those who are in need. We see the needs and we, we say, I can help with that need. That's what was happening specifically in this context. There were poor people in Jerusalem. There was an acute need at that time. And the people in Macedonia and the people in Achaia and Corinth, they said, we can help with that. We can help with that. Or we can give in other ways to the work that God is doing around the world. We have missionaries that we support, that, that uh, we are contributing to the work that, in this case, people were giving to Paul so that he could travel around and do, do this kind of work, encouraging people and discipling people. And, and we give to uh, those who are doing God's work around the world, or we can give to people who are doing God's work right here, locally. And we can be generous in those things. And what I find is that when we are generous rather than stingy, my thankfulness increases, right? Because not only when somebody is generous with me, do I say, God, this was undeserved, and it causes me to remember your generosity with me. But when I am generous with somebody else, it does the same thing. I get to delight in seeing their joy. God could have given it straight to them. He could have given it straight to them. He didn't need me. He could have given me my daily bread and been like, that's enough for you. That's enough for you. And every day, here's your daily bread, Travis. That's enough for you. Here's your daily bread, Travis. That's enough for you. And he could have done the same thing with them. So that every day we would go out like we were the Israelites in the wilderness and we'd go out and we'd collect our manna and we'd have just what we needed for that day every single day. He could do that. But he doesn't. He says, Travis, watch this. I'm going to give you more than you need. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to reap gener uh, so generously or are you going to sow sparingly? I said, well, God, feeling a little generous today. I'm going to give it away. You gave me more than I needed, I'm going to give it away. And then I see the joy on their faces and I see the way that they thank God for something that wasn't even mine, it was somebody else's. I can be generous with somebody else's stuff, that's easy. It's like if somebody handed you a debit card. Here you go, go take care of other people's needs. Really? Yeah, take my debit card. It'll just take it right out of my checking account. Really? Yeah, go. Okay. I'm way more generous with other people's money. That's easy. It's easy to be generous with other people's money. They say, hey, I want you to go bless other people. And so I say, great, I'll go ahead and do that. And what God is doing is he's saying, hey, I'm going to take care of you. 
I'm going to give you all that you need so that you can be generous with other people. And we get to be a part of that process and delight to see their response and to see their thanksgiving. And all of the praise goes to God because we know it wasn't us. By nature, I am not a generous person. And it wasn't my stuff. It was all God's anyway. And so I res- when I respond in that way, I see the praises and thanksgivings multiplied among the people. And I say, isn't this great? And God says, yes, this is great. This is what I love to see. I love to see the joy of my people and to see my people blessing others. I love to see that. Verse 13. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Why do we do this? I mean, if you read a financial book, that, that book will probably tell you you should set aside some of your money to be generous because it will make you a better person. Or they might say, I don't understand how it works, but when you give away your, some of your money, somehow there's good karma in the air, and then you will benefit from that. But that, what Paul is saying is that when we are generous because God is generous with us, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Where did it come from? Did it come from the the fact that we wanted to hear people's praise? No, it came because we are responding to the gospel of Jesus. We are responding to the good news of Jesus. That's where it comes from. So that's why it says it, verse 13. They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. That when I stop and look at it, I say, God has been so generous with me beyond what I deserve. And I don't just mean in the daily, he gave me my daily bread and then a little more. I mean, here I was, a wicked sinner standing before God, completely undeserving of His grace. And he said, Travis, what I'm going to do for you is I am going to remove your sin. And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to give my son who will die on the cross in your place so that your sins can be forgiven. God, I don't deserve that kind of mercy. I don't deserve that kind of grace. I don't deserve that kind of generosity that the God of heaven and earth would take on the form of a man and live this wretched life to be crucified on a cross so that I might have his righteousness. What kind of sense does that make? That's bad math, God. It's bad. The death of Jesus is not worth my life. But God is generous. He is so generous. And when I see that and I respond and say, okay, God, make me to be generous like you, 
And even this wicked sinner, with the Holy Spirit inside, is able then to be generous with the things that God has given. And to see the thanksgivings and praises of people multiplied. Say, oh God, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do next? Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. When we understand this generosity of God, we say, I I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. How do you thank God for that? How do you praise God for that? What is a sufficient thank you card that you could write? goes beyond. And so here's what it comes down to. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I will say that right now, At the beginning of the year is a good time to look and see, take stock and say, am I being generous? What am I I doing with the resources that God has given me? What am I doing with those things? And am I giving as I purpose in my heart to give? Where am I giving? Am I giving where I want to give? You know, there are so many places that you can give. There are so many people who are in need who could be blessed by your generosity. So many good organizations, so many missionaries around the world. Are you giving where you want to give? Are you giving where you intend to give? Are you giving in the way and in the amount that you want to give that reflects the generosity of God in your life? Are you giving in such a way that the praises and thanksgivings to God will abound? I'll admit, this week, I was preparing for this, and I went, I better do this. And I discovered I wasn't giving like I wanted to. It's a great time to reevaluate and say, God, what are you calling me to do? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we recognize that all good things come from you. That apart from you, we would be nothing and we could do nothing. And Lord, we recognize that you do not have to use us to accomplish your purposes in the world. But that you choose to work through your people. And so, Father, I pray that you would make us generous, cheerful givers that we would be generous with our finances, that we would be generous in hospitality, that we would be generous in our uh, interactions with people. Lord, that you would help us to recognize those places that we have reserved, those places that are stingy or selfish, that we are wanting to hold back and not be generous with. 
And I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we might look more and more like Jesus, who gave himself for us. That we might give ourselves for others so that they too might thank you and praise you for your generosity toward them. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.